everybody. Welcome to Props and Hops, powered by Dimers.com. I'm Matt Landis, and in this episode, we'll work through the NFL Week 12 board through the lens of the best football gambling podcasts. We'll also talk some beer that could pair well with any kind of Thanksgiving feast you might have in store for the holiday weekend. And of course, we're going to break down some bets. So to kick it off, let's dive into what we're hearing. Loud noises! This week, or I guess I should say crammed into the first two-plus days of this week, I've listened to the most prominent handicappers across the best NFL betting podcasts, and I'm here to share insights from 11 bettors spanning across five podcasts. All in all, it was about nine hours worth of listening, and I'll distill that down to about half an hour of the most actionable takeaways plus some original analysis. In all, we have seven bets across the point spread, total, team total, and prop markets, and the streak continues with the pre-recording morning news dump even going early this week. We had surprising news this morning when it came to the quarterback situations for Cincinnati and Jacksonville. We also saw the Ravens-Steelers game get moved from primetime on Thanksgiving to the early window on Sunday. That rescheduling is probably going to work out for the best. My wife and I can now cap off Thanksgiving watching Christmas vacation distraction-free. But this week, we've got all 32 NFL teams in action. No buys. We do have two games off the board everywhere as I record this Wednesday afternoon Pacific time. Some other games might be on or off the board depending on the book. So with that in mind, got a lot to run through. Let's get to the Week 12 slate. First up, the early game on Thanksgiving, Houston at Detroit. Texans laying three with some extra vig, total of 51. And we had two likes on the Texans, Andy and Drew from the Deep Dive podcast. One like on the Lions, that was TA, normally from the Sharp Angles podcast. I'm recording this week's episode before Sharp Angles dropped, so I'm basing TA's picks on what he posted on Twitter. That usually aligns closely with what he says on Sharp Angles. And we also had two likes on the under, also coming from Andy and Drew. Looking at Houston in the under, Andy says Matthew Stafford's injury to the thumb on his throwing hand could be worse than it's being reported, and Kenny Galladay's status was in doubt when the deep dive recorded. Andy said that could be a major blow to the Lions offense. Wednesday early afternoon, we got confirmation Galladay is indeed out for this game. So is Danny Amendola, so that's going to be a depleted wide receiver core. Running back DeAndre Swift also questionable for the Lions. And on the other side of the ball, cornerback Jeff Okuda also ruled out that doesn't help the under, but it could help the Texans side. Drew also added, the Texans are in strong recent form led by Deshaun Watson, the marketplace not taking proper notice in his opinion. T.A. mentioned he liked the Lions before we got the news that Galladay and several others were ruled out, so I think even in his opinion, that pick has lost its luster. Next up, the second game on Thanksgiving. I guess we could call it the nightcap since we don't have a primetime game anymore. Washington at Dallas. Cowboys laying three with reduced vig, total of 46. One like on Washington, that comes from Adam on the simple handicap. He said that might be against the spread or in a teaser leg. It's looking like he'll want to make that a teaser leg given the way the lines moved recently. Also one like on the under, that came from Steve Fezzik on the Even Money podcast. Looking at Adam's breakdown on the Washington side, he sees this line as an overreaction to the Cowboys' win last week, specifically their offense's production against a bad Viking secondary. And on the other side of the ball, he notes Washington's offense has better stats since moving to Alex Smith at quarterback. And while those better stats have come against some bad opposing defenses, the Dallas defense not much better than anything Washington's faced since turning to Smith. When it comes to Fezzik's handicap on the under, he said this game has playoff stakes, and only in the NFC East could you have playoff stakes when teams of this caliber meet this late in the season, but Fezzik says the high stakes could result in conservative play calling, therefore he likes the under. And I'm not sure I understand this one. The under might be the right side, but playoff games can go over too, so I'm going to leave this total alone. 
Up next, Baltimore at Pittsburgh. This is the game that was scheduled for primetime on Thanksgiving, got moved to the Sunday early window on NBC, currently off the board, and before it was rescheduled, we saw the Steelers laying four with extra vig and a total of 45. Their extra prep time probably benefits the Ravens, but all seven players who have tested positive still going to be out on Sunday. Fezzik, Matthew Holt, and RJ Bell made it unanimous on the Dream Preview, liking Pittsburgh minus five when that was the line earlier in the week, and Fezzik said the Ravens' offense is going to be decimated with cluster injuries along the offense of line and at running back. COVID has disrupted the Ravens prep week, and since the guys liked it at minus five, it's hard to see the schedule change meaning enough to dissuade them from Pittsburgh minus four if that's the line we see when it reopens. Also want to call out a look at opportunity here. Thursday Night Football next week scheduled to be the Cowboys at the Ravens. The Cowboys are set to come into that one on a full week of rest, and it's going to be a short week for Baltimore with their game against the Steelers getting pushed back to Sunday. Also, the Ravens having a limited window for their players with positive tests to get back in action. Might want to keep an eye out for the Cowboys once we see some look-ahead lines. Moving on to the regularly scheduled Sunday slate, Las Vegas at Atlanta, Raiders laying three with reduced fig, total of 55 or 55 and a half, four likes on the Falcons, Fezzik and Matthew Holt on the Dream Preview, this was Fezzik's best bet, as well as Drew and T.A., and breaking down his best bet, Fezzik noted the look-ahead line was Pick'em. There was an adjustment warranted after the Raiders looked good last week and the Falcons looked really bad, but three points stands out to him as an overreaction. Drew agreed with this point. Drew also noted the Saints defense is playing extremely well, and we're seeing a reaction that seems a little bit too strong in his eyes against the Falcons' offense. I want to note Julio Jones, a game-time decision here. Even expecting nothing from him, still think we see some value on the Falcons getting a field goal. Next game on the board, Arizona at New England. Cardinals laying 2.5, total 49.5. Three likes on the Cardinals. Rob and Suma on the Matchbook podcast. This was Rob's best bet, along with Fezzik on the Dream Preview. We had one like on the Patriots. That came from Matthew Holt. And three likes on the Over. Fezzik on the Even Money podcast, as well as Drew and Rob. Looking at the Cardinals side, Rob's on Arizona mainly as a way to fade New England. He says the market's ranking the Patriots as about a league average team, and that's largely based on the coattails of previous seasons in his eyes. He says this year's Patriots below average on both sides of the ball. Suma piggybacked on that point, noting the Patriots' defense is a bottom feeder in his eyes, and on the other side of the ball, the Patriots' strength in the rushing game could get negated if they're trailing and they need to pass in order to catch up. The Dream Preview had a mini head-to-head, Fezzik on Arizona, Matthew Holt on the Patriots, but these were soft likes with pretty light handicaps on both sides. Looking at the over, Fezzik on the Even Money podcast noted the Patriots have been in some recent bad weather games. That suppressed their scoring output, and he also has Arizona pegged as an over team, thanks in large part to their fast tempo on offense. Drew agreeing on the over, he says both offenses' strengths play into the opposing defense's weakness. The Cardinals depleted on the defensive line could be an issue stopping the Patriots' ground game. And on the other side of the ball, Andy did caution on the Deep Dive podcast that Kyler Murray has an AC joint sprain in his throwing shoulder. And I might be biased here because I've had an AC joint sprain in my shoulder before. It's really painful. So I think Andy brought up a good point here. Kyler Murray's status is going to be the X factor for me, and it's enough to stay away from the side or total. Up next, Giants at Cincinnati. Giants laying six, total of 43, and this will be a quick one. We didn't really have any action on it. Wednesday morning, we did get news. The Bengals going to start Brandon Allen at quarterback over Ryan Finley. Next game on the board, Cleveland at Jacksonville. Browns laying six and a half, total of 49, and we did have a healthy bit of action on this one. Wednesday morning, we got news that the Jaguars are starting Mike Glennon at quarterback. We also got news the Browns had another player test positive for COVID-19. Seems like that's probably one of their linebackers, and that might tie in well with having three likes on the over 
Adam, Fezzik, and TA. We also had two likes on the Browns against the spread, TA and Fezzik on the Even Money podcast, and one like on Cleveland is a teaser leg, also coming from Fezzik on the Even Money podcast. Breaking down the over, Adam took the lead on this. He mentioned on his Monday morning episode, 46.5 was a good number to bet over, and he said he released 48.5 later on Monday. Still seemed to like it at 49, likely for a reduced amount because of the line movement, but the handicap holds up pretty well. The Browns' last three games all in poor conditions. That's really suppressed their scoring output. Fezzik underscored this point. Adam also notes the Jaguars' last two games, one dealing with significant wind at Green Bay, the other against an elite Steelers defense, so the Jaguars should get better conditions and a step down in class for their offense this weekend. Adam also noting the Jaguars missing their best pass rusher, Josh Allen, and dealing with cluster injuries in the secondary. And I'll note the Browns are also without their best pass rusher in Miles Garrett, as well as another defensive end in Joe Jackson, and Cleveland also dealing with cluster injuries at cornerback, plus multiple safeties for the Browns have been listed as day-to-day. And one more note to add intrigue to the handicap on the over, the entire Jaguars defensive staff wasn't at the team facility on Tuesday due to a positive test. Their defensive coordinator is going to be unavailable for Sunday's games, and news has surfaced the Jaguars have been using a special teams assistant to run their defense in practice this week. And I'll call out T.A. took the over when it was 48. Gotta think he's likely okay with 49 for a reduced amount, given the news that's come out since 48 was available. Looking at the Browns against the spread, Fezzik said he liked them up to minus 7 without Minshew on the Even Money podcast, and now we have confirmation Minshew's not going to play in this one, and Fezzik saying he also liked Cleveland as a teaser candidate on the Even Money podcast, taking them down to minus half a point, pairing them with Green Bay minus 2.5. I'll note Green Bay is my favorite teaser leg of the week. That game's currently off the board, unfortunately. But if and when it reopens with the Packers in teaser territory, I'd recommend pairing them with Washington at plus 8.5 or possibly up to plus 9 to neutralize some of the extra vig on Washington plus 3 on Thanksgiving. Next game on the board, Carolina at Minnesota. Vikings laying 3.5, total of 50, two likes on the over, Andy and Drew. When the Deep Dive podcast recorded, the total was 48.5, but they said it was good up to 50. Andy also noted when they recorded, Teddy Bridgewater would likely be back. We've had that confirmed. I think that's why this line has jumped up to 50. Andy's still liking it because he sees Minnesota as having an awful pass defense and the Panthers having solid weapons to exploit that with their starting quarterback back in action. On the other side of the ball, the Vikings should be able to move the ball as well on a Carolina defense that's not going to be able to put up much resistance, even if Adam Thielen can't go. Andy noting the Panthers' defense is overvalued after a shutout last week against the Lions with an injured Matthew Stafford and no Galladay. And there's also the element of a free roll in case Thielen can suit up on Sunday. Up next, Tennessee at Indianapolis, Colts laying three, total 51 and a half, and we saw a move toward the Titans on Wednesday. Based on the news, Phillip Rivers didn't practice with a bruised toe. That seemed like a precautionary move by the Colts. I think a bigger deal, defensive tackle DeForest Buckner placed on the reserve COVID-19 list, and that could significantly ease the burden for a depleted Titans offensive line. We did have five likes on the Titans. Those came from Adam, Fezzik on the Even Money podcast, as well as Drew, Suma, and Rob, making it a matchbook consensus play, and this was Suma's best bet. I want to note, all five of these likes were at the Titans better than plus three, but I think the current price is still okay for a reduced amount, given the news behind the line move to three. Adam said he liked the Titans because it's an overreaction to the Colts in the last two weeks, including a Week 10 win in Tennessee. Drew and Suma echoed this point. And even if we just look at last week, the Colts went plus two in turnovers, they got some unsustainable fumble luck, and they still needed overtime just to get the outright win over the Packers. 
Adam also noted the Colts closed minus one at Tennessee a couple weeks ago, and with home field advantage diminished this season, they should be a smaller favorite at home in this setting. Fezzik said a big part of why he likes the Titans is Mike Vrabel's optimal game management, and he also notes the Colts got some fluky luck on punts in their win at Tennessee a couple weeks ago. Drew on the Matchbook podcast also noting the Colts recovered a fumble on a kickoff return last week against the Packers, and that's some unsustainable special teams luck for the Colts over the past couple weeks. Suma said his power ratings have these teams just about equal, so with a minimal home field advantage, this line shouldn't be touching a field goal. Rob agreed with that point, and Rob also noted he sees the Colts' offense as being overrated, Looking at expected points added per play, they grade out as about average, but those numbers have come against some very soft opposing defenses. Rob said he's aware the Titans' defense is soft too, but just because the Colts are playing a soft Titans' defense doesn't mean they're poised to score more points than usual. Up next, Chargers at Buffalo, Bills laying 5.5, total 53.5, 5 likes on the Chargers, Drew, Rob, and Zuma making it a matchbook consensus play with this being Drew's best bet, also Matthew Holt and TA on the Chargers. 2 likes on the over, those coming from Fezzik and the Hitman on the Dream Preview. On the Chargers side of things, Drew said he likes them because the Bills are coming off their bye but still missing some key pieces on defense, and on the other side of the ball, John Brown not practicing at wide receiver. Rob added the line overstates the gap between these two teams, Suma agreed with that point, and Matthew Holt said the Chargers have had five of their seven losses come by five points or less, Rob touched on this point as well, and RJ added to this point, the Chargers are one of only two teams in the NFL not to lose by more than one possession this season. The other teams, the Steelers, they haven't lost a game, period, so I'll leave it to you to figure out what this says about Anthony Lynn's endgame management. Looking at the over, Fezzik saying the Bills are a clear over team with a weak defense and a good offense. He thinks both teams will score with ease on Sunday, and the Hitman thinks the total should be 56 or 57. He said he played 54, so the lines moved slightly against him. His handicap... The Bills have almost a 4-1 to pass-to-run ratio over their last two games, and the Chargers have been an over-team with Justin Herbert, the lowest total in their last eight games, 50 points. The Hitman did say the Chargers defense allowed a previously lifeless Jets offense to score 28 points last week, and I do want to call out that's a bit misleading, factoring in that a blocked punt set up the Jets with a touchdown after they got the ball with a short field, and the Chargers also elected to take a safety at the end of the game, even though they couldn't run out the clock by taking that safety. For all intents and purposes, it's a more fair assumption the Chargers defense allowed 20 points last week to the Jets. I agree with most of the logic on the over. I have no interest in playing the under here, but I do question the number. This total opened at 50. The current price seems to be accounting for most of this handicap. I do like that on the Chargers side of things, we got news Wednesday that they reassigned their special teams coordinator, so that can only be a plus after a myriad of special teams gaffes recently. I also like that if we check out the quick picks section over at dimers.com, it says the Chargers have a 4.2% edge when it comes to covering this spread. And I'd encourage you to check out the quick pick section at Dimers.com for analysis of more than 10,000 simulations on every game to help identify edges on the betting boards. And one more quick note to wrap up this point. I wouldn't advise blindly following any one handicap, just like I wouldn't advise blindly following any one number on a game, but when the handicap and the numbers come together like they do here, that's typically a good sign. Next game on the board, Miami at the Jets. Dolphins laying a touchdown with reduced vig, total 44 and a half. 
Two likes on the Dolphins from Rob and Drew, and on the Matchbook podcast, they used a line of 6.5, but I'm not sure where that came from because I haven't seen that number since a brief window on Monday morning. That would be a really expensive 6.5. Based on the discussion, I think Rob and Drew would still like Miami at the more widely available minus 7 for reduced VIG. Rob noted the Jets have some big injuries along their offensive line, and Miami has locked down cornerbacks, and on the other side of the ball, he thinks Tua is a downgrade from Ryan Fitzpatrick, but we could be seeing an overreaction to Tua's poor performance performance last week. He thinks Tua should feast on the Jets defense this week, and Drew agreed with Rob's handicap. Moving on to the late window on Sunday, New Orleans at Denver, Saints laying six or six and a half, total 43 and a half, and we had one like on the Broncos from Matthew Holt, one like on the over from Drew on the deep dive, and one like on the under from Dave Esler on the dream preview. Looking at Matthew Holt's breakdown on the Broncos side, he's not sold on Taysom Hill, he is sold on the Broncos defense, and he thinks the low total increases the value of points you could get with Denver in this setting. I like that angle there, I think it applies to what we say a lot with teasers, taking underdogs up through the key numbers of 3 and 7 in games with low totals. Looking at Drew's breakdown of the over, he says the Broncos' defense thrives when it can get pressure on the opposing quarterback, but Taysom Hill has what it takes to evade that kind of pressure. He also notes the Saints' offense is finally healthy at the skill positions, and on the other side of the ball, the Saints' defense has been overperforming for the last month in his eyes, and they could be due for some negative regression. Dave Vessler going the other way, taking the under. He broke down his pick when the line was 44. 43.5 is the current consensus. That is a key half point off Esler's number, but he'd probably still like it for a slightly reduced amount. Esler notes the Saints won last week, but 24 points tied their lowest offensive output of the season, and over the last three weeks, the Saints are the second most run-heavy team in the NFL. On the other side of the ball, Esler notes, just like Drew did, the Saints defense is playing extremely well, but Esler seems more bullish on that trend line continuing, saying the Saints defensive strength is stopping the run, and if the Broncos have to pass against that Saints defense, Drew Locke not the man to light up the scoreboard. Up next, San Francisco at the Rams. Rams laying 6.5 or 7 with reduced VIG. Total of 45. Two likes on the 49ers here. RJ and Fezzik on the Dream Preview. This was RJ's best bet. And they said they were playing the Niners at plus 7.5. I'd got to imagine that came with some really heavy VIG. The value of what they broke down, more in line with the cheap 7s currently available. Fezzik said he likes the 49ers in this case because the situation's a big factor. The Rams coming in with a short week off a Monday night football road game. And the 49ers coming in off their bye. Fezzik also noting San Francisco undervalued because in their last game, they lost against the spread at New Orleans, but they really should have covered. RJ echoed that point, and RJ also added, we're seeing an overreaction in the marketplace to an impressive Rams win at Tampa Bay in front of a national audience. Drew and Andy on the deep dive made their secret podcast play the Rams team total under 27 at minus 120, and I like the logic here. San Francisco's defense fresh off the bye. We've seen it match up well with the Rams already this season. Another point they brought up, the Rams offense can get pretty conservative when it has the lead. And the biggest thing to me here, the spread and full game total imply the Rams team total should be about 26. So this is giving us a free point to a key number. Up next, quite possibly the game of the week, Kansas City at Tampa Bay. Chiefs laying three and a half, total of 56, three likes on the Bucks. Fezzik and RJ on the Dream Preview, as well as TA, one like on the over, that came from Drew. On the Tampa Bay side, Fezzik noted he gives a power ratings edge to the Bucks. He thinks we're seeing an overreaction to their loss to the Rams on Monday night. And on the over side of things, Drew said he likes this for a reduced amount. The number was at 54, so 56 does offer less margin for error, but he thinks this could simply be an offensive explosion. Either offense should really be able to ratchet things up whenever trailing. 
Quickly touching on Sunday Night Football, Chicago at Green Bay. This one is off the board with the Bears quarterback to be announced, but the Packers were the best teaser leg on the board at minus 8.5 or better. I think the second leg's tough to come by this week. I do like pairing the Packers with Washington if Green Bay gets back on the board in teaser territory before Washington and Dallas kick off tomorrow. And if you're not hearing this till after the Washington-Dallas game on Thanksgiving, I'd consider looking at New England. Could be contention on any news about the status of Kyler Murray's shoulder. Otherwise, if you have access to any open-ended teasers, might be worth locking in Green Bay at less than a field goal and looking to pair them with somebody on next week's board once those numbers become available. And finally, Monday Night Football, Seattle at Philadelphia, Seahawks laying five, total of 50, one like on the Seahawks from Matthew Holt, one like on the Eagles from Adam, two likes on the under, Drew and Andy. Matthew Holt breaking down his like on the Seahawks, saying they came in with extra rest having played on Thursday night last week. That makes travel across the country less of a factor. He also likes that the offense is slated to get Chris Carson back. That should bode well for the Seahawks run game. And on the other side of the ball, he thinks the Eagles are in a downward spiral with Carson Wentz. Adam coming in on the other side, though, taking the Eagles because he says this number is simply too high. When it comes to the total, Drew and Andy saying they're on the under on the deep dive. Drew said it was his favorite play of the week when they took the opener at 53 on their Sunday Periscope. The guys still seem to like it for a reduced amount at 50. Drew mentioning wind and rain could possibly be a factor, and Andy adding the Seahawks pass rush has improved since trading for Carlos Dunlap. Alright, so that's the first time we've broken down 16 games in quite a while. Having made it through that full board, we've definitely earned our beer break this week. Time to dive into what we're drinking. And this week, I think it would only be appropriate to make it more of a choose-your-own-adventure. Thanksgiving gatherings and dinner tables are going to look different this year, so I would encourage you to go with your gut, and if there's something that's comforting and easily accessible, just reach for that and enjoy it. If you're looking to branch out a little bit, Sierra Nevada Celebration Ale was a recent show beer. That would be a great call. It's a nice take on the holidays with a hoppy twist. And when it comes to the best style that brings the versatility to pair with any Thanksgiving food, I think a strong case can be made for the Saison. Saisons are also known as farmhouse ales. They originated in Belgium, and I think they bring a lot of drinkability and depth to the table. The benchmark for this style is Saison DuPont by Brasserie DuPont in Belgium, and even though this beer is made halfway across the world, it's increasingly available in the United States these days. Saison DuPont comes in at 6.5% ABV. The appearance, cloudy gold with a thick, pillowy white head that has strong retention. I'll post a photo on Instagram, at Props and Hops, and the aroma and flavor of Saison DuPont fruity. We've got some orange, lemon, and banana notes. Also some spice, pepper, clove, and coriander coming to mind. Also sourdough bread with saisons being more yeast-forward than hop-driven. And one more thing that's fun about the saison, it's tough to pinpoint, but you know it when you smell or taste it. A lot of people say they pick up on some hay or barnyard funk, and that can sound off-putting, but in a moderate amount, it can be a really fun touch. And bringing things full circle, that tasting note ties in with the farmhouse ale description. When it comes to the mouthfeel of Saison DuPont, high carbonation, medium body with a dry finish. Overall, I love it because it's both crushable and complex at the same time. It's not going to overpower any food pairings on the lighter side, but it also packs enough of a punch to stand up to anything. Some other good examples of the Saison, if Saison DuPont's not easily accessible. If you're in California, Russian River makes a really good Saison called Robert. And Boulevard Brewing makes a beer called Tank 7. That might be the best example of the Saison style that's widely accessible across much of the country. Alright, so we're choosing our own adventure with beer this week. Time to embark on another adventure in the form of the Week 12 portfolio. Let's dive into what we're betting. I'm shocked, shocked to find that gambling is going on in here. 
Three sides in pocket this week. First one, Falcons plus three, good up to minus 115, hosting the Raiders. Think we're seeing an overreaction to last week. The gap between these two teams, not as big as the line would suggest. And if the Falcons cover plus three, they're going to be in the hunt for the outright win. So I'm also looking at a small ticket on Atlanta on the money line. Also playing the Titans plus three at Indianapolis. I think we're seeing an overreaction to the Colts' wins the last couple weeks. They've been benefiting from some unsustainable luck when it comes to fumbles and special teams. Once again, with a small spread, also looking at playing the underdog on the money line. And the third side this week, the Chargers, plus 5.5 at the Bills. Buffalo comes in off its bye, but they still have some injured players, so they're not as healthy as a lot of teams would be coming off the bye. I also think this number overstates the gap between these two teams, and the Chargers can compete with anyone, so even though they have a penchant for losing close games, as long as this one is close, the wager should be in good shape. One total in pocket this week, Cleveland-Jacksonville over 49. We're seeing massive injuries at multiple levels across both defenses and also should benefit from better conditions than both teams have recently faced. That should bode well for scoring output. Also playing one team total this week, the Rams under 27 at minus 120. The 49ers defense matches up pretty well with the Rams offense. And from a side and total perspective, looking at the full game numbers, we should be seeing a Rams team total of about 26. So this number, 27 minus 120, providing about a full key point worth of value. And last but not least, putting the props in props and hops, looking at a couple prop bets this week. First off, the Chargers, first quarter on the money line, plus 120 or better. I expect to see better than plus 120 come Sunday morning. I think we're going to get a free roll on the Chargers getting the first possession. They won the coin toss last week and elected to receive because why would Anthony Lynn make an optimal decision? And speaking of Lynn, it's no secret he's a bad coach, especially in the endgame, and isolating the Chargers in the first quarter avoids that circus. The Buffalo defense also comes into this one as a bad unit that's beat up. We have a high total. It's looking like we'll see decent conditions. That magnifies the value of getting the first possession. We could see the Chargers get off to a strong start on Sunday. I do want to note the Bills are the better team here. Of course, they're at home, off their buy, so I don't see value on this bet because it's more likely than not to win, but because it's still profitable even if it hits a little bit less than 50% of the time. Since I think the Chargers choosing to receive when they won the coin toss last week gives them an edge to get the first possession, I make this prop closer to 50-50, so I'm happy to take it with some good plus money attached. I do think it's important to keep the wager amount in check for this prop if you're also playing the Chargers on the full game in order to avoid getting overexposed on the Chargers on Sunday. And one more prop this week. Raiders, Falcons, shortest touchdown, under one and a half yards, make this good up to minus 175. By now, you know the drill with the math. This game's got a high total. That's good for seeing more touchdowns, and that's good for the odds of seeing some one-yard touchdowns. From a matchup standpoint, Derek Carr also seems to be throwing the ball downfield a lot more often this season. That increases the odds of something like a pass interference penalty in the end zone, setting up the Raiders with the ball at the one-yard line. And also, neither team has a strong rush defense that could put up a lot of resistance near the goal line, so it would be no surprise to see at least one, if not multiple, one-yard touchdowns in Atlanta on Sunday. Alright, so rapid-fire recap on the sides. Falcons plus 3.5, minus 115. Titans plus 3, and the Chargers plus 5.5. One total, Browns-Jaguars over 49. And one team total, Rams under 27 at minus 120. Last but not least, two props. Chargers first quarter money line at plus 120 or better. And Raiders-Falcons shortest touchdown under 1.5 yards, good up to minus 175. Alright, one more order of business. Last but not least, the Malinsky Minute. This week we turn to Greek Stoic philosopher Epictetus for some wise words that have stood the test of time. He is a wise man who does not grieve for the things which he has not, but rejoices for those which he has.
And I think this is relevant because Dave showed an unparalleled appreciation for seemingly everything in life, including nature, food, music, and relationships with other people. And it also seems like an appropriate quote to turn to as we head into Thanksgiving. It's been a challenging year in so many ways, and I know this holiday season is going to be different for a lot of us. And it can be easy and completely understandable, if not necessary in some cases, to think of what we've lost. But let's also make it a point to remember and embrace everything we still have. Alright, that'll do it for this episode of Props and Hops. Thank you so much for listening. If you found any value in this episode, please share it with a friend who could benefit as well. And if you'd like to keep the conversation going, I'd encourage you to join the community of like-minded people in the new Dimers.com Facebook group. You can join by going to facebook.com groups slash Dimers.com. I'll put that link in the show notes for easy reference. It's a secure place to talk openly about sports betting, share picks, and frankly, to have some fun engaging in betting activity we can all be thankful to have these days. And on that note, let's get out there and have a safe and happy Thanksgiving and enjoy week 12 in the NFL. We'll be back to the regular schedule next Friday to break down the week 13 board. And until then, let's bet well, let's drink well, and let's be well. (laughs) 